1: hey this is former blue devil lineman matt Skura. you're listening to basketball conference the acc football podcast go duke go acc Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, how you been? What's going on?
2: Good. We, we record at you know at midnight or after midnight in the postseason as well. Apparently, that's what we do.
1: Yeah, Saturday Night Fever. You know, it never ends. It never ends. Never, never, ends. never right. mind the fact it's you know late January. Um, Saturday Night Fever. It is. It's not live. Just this is when we're all free.
2: It's live for the three of us.
1: Yeah, it is live for the three of us. That's true. Um, we have mentioned in the last couple of weeks uh, that we have some news we need to get in on here. Uh, we're, we're a couple of days removed. Uh, again, this is just after midnight, Saturday night, Sunday morning into uh, Sunday, January the 28th, I guess. But so we're a few days removed from the ACC announcing its full 2024 football schedule. So figured we'd talk about that and figured we'd talk about one other kind of key piece of news that we've. We've mentioned here, but we haven't really gotten to dive into yet. So we go ahead and do that. Um, maybe there's something that we're forgetting. Hopefully not. Probably, but hopefully not. Um, but Mike, are you uh, you want to dive in news-wise?
2: Yeah, let's start with this. Uh, Jeff Collins, your friend, your friend Jeff Collins.
1: That's that's a strong word.
2: He was uh, hired as Mac Brown's new defensive coordinator at North Carolina. What
0: the f- is why why here? why? Why?
2: What? 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 what an idiot! Oh,
0: what a loser! I, uh, Just all the all the okay. sound effects. That was
2: beautiful. <laughs> that was that was a chorus of them.
1: Nice little uh, nice little bouquet of of sound effects there. Yeah. yeah,
2: I like that. Well, I mean, he was a good defensive coordinator like a decade ago.
0: I. Uh,
1: Player. So let's start there. Like, there have been crazier hires that I've seen, right? Like, mm-hmm. Jeff Collins does have a history. He spent, you know, a good part of the 2010s as a fully successful defensive coordinator. I believe it was FIU, and then uh, for multiple years for Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. At and then Florida. For, like, four years for, that was under... That wasn't under Mullen at Florida. That was who was before him. Who was the guy who was naked on the boat with a shark?
2: Jim McElwain.
1: That one, I believe, it was Jim mm-hmm. McElwain. Um, yeah, he was a good defensive coordinator for years, um, and and so I I I get it from that standpoint. But at the same time, you know, I guess I mean, defense at Temple maybe were okay, but like his defenses at Georgia Tech were such a disaster, Mike. I mean, they just like they didn't communicate well they weren't physical like there was there was very little redeeming about him for most of the time that he was there
2: oh so he'll fit right in under mac brown north carolina is what you're saying
1: uh, he'll keep pace he'll keep yeah. pace
2: yeah i this is uh, my immediate takeaway was like okay he was a good defensive coordinator like a decade ago um it's it seems like a Gene Chizik retread in a lot of ways. Maybe not schematically, right? It's going to be a different looking defense, but in terms of like the type of hire that this is, this feels a lot like just going back to the well with a guy who's done it before, and not necessarily having like the foresight to, you know, maybe hire somebody up and coming or I, I don't know. I, I don't feel particularly good about this for the reasons you just said because his yeah. defenses were so bad at Georgia Tech, they were just kind of okay um, at Temple. A big reason why he had the upswing, the uptick in success at Temple towards the end of his tenure was because the offense was so damn good, not because Mm -hmm. of the defense. Um, Defense was fine, but it wasn't like the. That that wasn't why Temple was winning the games they were winning, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I had kind of the similar reaction. It's like, this could work. I've seen worse hires. He has been a good defensive coordinator in his career. But like Gene Chizik had been a good defensive coordinator in his career, he had been a successful head coach somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like, at a big time school, right? Yeah. Jeff Collins got done at temple admirable job, flamed out at Georgia Tech for a number of different reasons. yeah, and chief among them was because the defense sucked. It wasn't the recruiting mm-hmm. wasn't they couldn't recruit. you know, it wasn't that 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 you know, he didn't you know retain skill position players on offense or anything like that. It was because the defense sucked. That was his calling card. and yeah. that was that's, a big reason the most, why the tender didn't work out. That
1: was the most unforgivable part of it like, were other parts of it underwhelming? Yeah. Like, what was the offense underwhelming, struggle to develop? Yeah. But I think the single most damning thing was always this guy is supposed to be a defensive coordinator, a defensive mind, and their defense sucks. Like, it, it's not good, it, it, and it's not even just from a talent standpoint. Again, it was like a disorganization, lack of communication. I mean, the number of times you'd see blown coverages in the secondary. Jeff Collins is a secondary coach, specifically, like has developed corners and safeties throughout his career, and that's kind of the, his biggest calling card. And when that part of the defense is failing year after year under him, I, that, I, what do you? What can you say? You know, if, that, if you can't get that right, what can you get right? So, um, I, I do think it's interesting, Mac Brown going back to the well of former head coach, kind of tenured veteran coach guy like he did with Gene Chizik um, as opposed to going for someone a little bit more um, maybe up and coming like that kind of thing some of this makes me wonder you know does Mac Brown see the writing on the wall of uh, we're running out of time here before they're not gonna fire Mac Brown like my understanding is that he is a made man in Chapel Hill but there might be some conversations about what if we move you to an off-field role Head coach Mac Brown and what if, you know, like what if we just retire, maybe? Like, you know, like is he trying to avoid some of those conversations maybe? I don't know.
2: Well, and there there were some talks, rumors on message boards quite strongly over the last couple of weeks that Mac Brown was actually getting ready to retire, which then he went out and hired Jeff Collins and it was like, Well, he's probably not retiring if he's the one making the defensive coordinator hire, obviously, so Either so way, the talk
1: was like, well, is bringing in a former head coach is that set up Jeff Collins to be the interim? Which, <laughs> have fun with that.
0: Yeah, get rid of the depth charts.
2: Yeah, the the thing I'd I'd be interested about this is gonna, this conversation I'm about to have is really gonna piss Joey off. But the thing I'd be interested about is like, can Collins go and win somewhere other than Georgia Tech in the P5? Like, it's kind of a similar conversation I had with Fuente, right? Except, with Fuente, the difference was, like, Virginia Tech had the resources and didn't have the issues that Georgia Tech has in terms of, like, ha- a guy coming in and, like, having success right away. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of easier. It's, like, better set up. to You know, we've talked about the academic issue. Not issues. It's, obviously, Georgia Tech's a very good school. But... Limitation or restrictions. Limitations. Or, you know, limitations, whatever. restrictions. Yeah. yeah that... Virginia Tech, a, v- a very good school as well, but just doesn't have compared to Georgia Tech. They don't have that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering if Jeff Collins in a different situation would kind of be able to flourish a little bit better. Again, North Carolina, very good academic institution, right? But they are able to get their athletes into school there, and Especially Georgia, online classes. It turns out uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So would Collins have any success there? I mean, he had some success at Temple, which again, from an academic standpoint, you can get your you can get your athletes into school there. Yep. Um, but recruiting wasn't his issue. Like that's mm-hmm. the other part of the argument. Recruiting was not his issue at Georgia Tech. He actually did a decent job recruiting at Georgia Tech. It yep. was kind of everything else. So I don't know. I, I don't think, I mean, for a while the conversation around Carolina was that the interim, if it ever like went down that path. Was going to be Dre Bly, and then of course, you know Dre Bly was off the staff last season, and uh, that's obviously not going to happen anymore. But that would have been that would have been very interesting, considering like how he recruits. But then he lost like the entire DB room, so whatever.
1: Yeah, I I, I'm with you honestly. I, I think there's a chance that Jeff Collins could be successful as a head coach elsewhere, like. We have seen people have seen coaches that fail in their first chance as a head coach, and then kind of find some more success later down the road. Um, it's it's possible to learn and grow and develop as a coach and, and figure some things out.
2: Chef Tadford, Sonny Dykes,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I could argue that Will Muschamp was better at South Carolina than he was at Florida, you right? Know, like, yeah, right. So it, it's not crazy for guys to to learn and and to uh, do better in their second try than they were in the first try, but there was just there were some things too, just the way that he was perceived. That I, I almost halfway thought like, is Jeff Collins ever going to get another job? Like, is he <laughs> is he done coaching? Just the way that it seemed like he was perceived, and I I don't know. So,
2: so we'll many see. Parallels I'll, with Fuente. So many parallels.
1: All I'll say is that. I will be very surprised if this is the uh, the secret sauce, if he's the guy that cracks the code for fixing defense at North Carolina that has been such an, a consistent issue for, what, 15 years? Like, when's the last time North Carolina had a legit, solid defense? Is Jeff Collins going to solve that puzzle? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Probably not. So I don't know. Ninth, 1980 with Lawrence Taylor. I don't know. <laughs> Julius Peppers played
1: there. Um no, that's true. What was that
2: 2003? Yeah. So yeah, um, we'll see. The I mean, can it be any worse than the chiswick led defenses last couple of years?
1: I would probably say no. not. I mean. I, I mean I thought their defense looked really good, actually, in like September of last year. And you know, they—I think it was South Carolina—that they dominated there, like in yeah. Week One, and like it actually looked pretty good there for a few weeks. And then like the wheels just completely came off. I don't know if that was against Miami or uh, or someone, but it was like, oh nope, never mind. That's that's the North Carolina defense we all know and love.
2: Yeah, yeah, we realized pretty quickly. I mean, th- these are the things you don't get answers to right after week one but we found out in like mid-October that South Carolina was just not going to block anybody the entire season is what that turned out to be so added that up North Carolina
1: not racking up nine sacks per week uh, it turns out that that was not a sustainable trend
2: but but it was a sustainable trend for South Carolina's offensive line so correct Yeah, yeah
1: exactly exactly uh Mike anything else on North Carolina before we move on and avoid Scott giving us grief over going more than 10 minutes that we said we were going to
0: uh, might- actually ahead. have a question yeah did he have any offsetting language in his georgia tech contract um i don't know for certain off the
1: top of my head but i'm pretty sure he did not hmm. and the reason that i'm pretty sure he did the not get is well uh, the, the reason i'm pretty sure he did not is that everything that i understand about that whole contractual uh negotiation the whole contract situation was that georgia tech was negotiating from a point of power and you never would have known it by the terms of that contract like they committed way too many years way too much money to him for like it was totally unnecessary so at that point no why would they put offsetting language in there that would have been responsible and nothing about this contract was responsible so probably not (laughs) like okay (laughs) Shout out, <laughs> Shout
2: out Todd Sainsbury. Shout out Todd. Yeah. Well, that's that's why he's no longer there.
1: I was going to say. I, I was a fan of him when he was hired. I thought that was kind of fun, kind of a good hire. Former player at Georgia Tech, all that stuff. Um, that couldn't have gone much more poorly. Um, it, it did not go very well at all. So,
2: Well, if Jeff Collins, if he flames out here too, he'll be able to buy plenty of boats and cars and gigantic houses and He'll be fine.
1: I will say, looking back on kind of some of the discussions and, and such that was had around the time that he was hired, Jeff Collins seems like he is a hell of a smooth talker. Like, he can he can really convince people of some things and, and really sell himself. Like, it really seemed like uh, Todd Sansbury was really, really sold on him from, you know, right out the gate. And I just wonder what some of those conversations actually sounded like
2: why is a good recruiter i
1: guess that's yeah probably true probably true uh all right yeah jeff collins defensive coordinator at north carolina we will see how that goes
2: might work might not
1: yeah uh, higher chance it doesn't i think but
2: Uh, yeah the i'm i've made this clear i'm done with mac yeah so whatever
1: yeah we'll we'll see how that goes Uh, Mike, do you want to do podcast business before we jump into uh, schedule stuff? Yes. This podcast, as all of ours, brought to you by Section103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, They've got T-shirts, they've got sweatshirts, they've got hoodies, um, things for men, women, children, things with the official tech gold, the official word marks, all those things. We love all of the things from Section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order they've got jerseys uh, again haynes king dante smith still i think or some of those are in stock uh zach pyron miles kelly off the basketball team go find things there um th- they also have gotten some new sizes in stock by the way so if if you were unaware you know before i think there was like 3xl 4xl maybe we're not in stock or, or maybe we're never stocked um those are now available on the website so go check those things out uh, once again, use promo code GO for 10% off your first order, section103.com for all the wonderful Georgia Tech apparel that you need in your life. Uh, Mike, go check them out.
2: I will. Uh, also sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Mm-hmm. Homefield's been fantastic as well. Uh, use promo code GO at checkout, 15% off your first order. They're still pushing those bomber jackets. Those are pretty sick, uh, very comfortable. Uh, Officially licensed collegiate apparel at most ACC institutions. We gotta get an update on Stanford. They're work. I know they're working on uh, adding some schools, but uh, Whitney has not revealed what schools those are to us yet yeah. by email. So they're working on something. I don't know if it'll be Stanford, but I'm sure they'll they'll come down the pipe at some point uh, as can we welcome Stanford into this podcast.
1: Can Can I interrupt you here, real quick? Absolutely. Um, and and something that. You didn't know I was going to do here. This is totally off the cuff. Oh, um, sure. Okay. There, has, there is a new addition to the Weaver household here that I feel like I need to tell you about and tell the people about. Um,
2: I, don't know, I don't know where this is going, but well, conti- fa- please continue.
1: Fans of a certain school will be very, very excited uh, to know that we have a new addition to the Weaver household <laughs> in the form of a, uh, a beautiful beautiful baby blue Home Field t-shirt
0: and if, you're um, now, the, the, if you're only listening go watch the YouTube
1: I say the people listening uh, don't get a visual here um, oh. Scott can you tell the people real quick what you're what you're looking at what is this shirt
0: I'm looking at a beautiful blue shirt that Joey's holding up and it just says 13 to nine
1: yeah that would be a, a pit Panthers shirt from homefieldapparel.com. Uh, I forget if I mentioned it on this podcast, I went to split zone do live when they were here in Houston before the national title game. And there was a fun uh, t-shirt roulette game that we played. And it was basically just, you pay money and you tell them your size. And then after that, you get a, a bingo ball that correlated with any random shirt from the, uh, the home field lineup. And sure enough, by the luck of the draw, I got a pit Panthers 13 to nine shirt, which there's a reference there. If, if you've, if you're not aware of it, we'll we'll talk about it again someday when I'm probably when I'm wearing the shirt.
2: Yeah, excellent. Well, I'm glad you added that to your rotation. When you said there was a new addition to the Weaver household, I was like, oh, another kid, another dog. Uh, Maybe a fish.
1: Specific word choice. I figured to send send your mind down a different path.
2: And that you did. Uh, anyway, check out Home Field Apparel. Go see a checkout. Fifteen percent off your first order.
1: Do it. You too can get a beautiful, comfortable thirteen to nine shirt. Uh, Representing the pit win over West Virginia back in 2007?
2: Yeah. Yes. Y- yes. yes. As a
1: non bowl eligible pit team kept West Virginia out of the national title game. Yeah. LOL. Yep. Well, Held a Pitt. It's
2: one of the greatest wins in school history.
1: Mike, we have a football schedule. <laughs> yeah, we do.
2: Um, yeah. I don't.
1: Where do we start with this? So, once again, uh, first year with three new schools we've got smu we've got stanford and we've got cal welcome welcome yeah for those new to the (laughs) new to the atlantic coast here uh from berkeley and palo alto and dallas um yeah welcome
2: um glad to have you
1: (laughs) we've confirmed that nobody has to travel to all to multiple of those if you travel to one of them that's the only one you travel to so that's kind of
0: nice that is yep um, yep, yep. So Ex- there's that. There's, oh, 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 yes, but the travel doesn't get easier for those new teams for obvious reasons. Well,
1: yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. When you're Cal and Stanford, and you agree to play in a conference that's primarily made up of people what, three thousand miles away, starting at three thousand
0: miles away. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, mm. you're going to spend a lot of time in an airplane. So make sure you've got one of those frequent flyer accounts to track those
0: miles.
2: Yeah, wear your home field apparel. That's right. That's you don't right. Need it.
0: They got cool joggers. Great for wearing on planes. There, there you go. go. That's right. There you go. Um,
1: the other thing to to remember here as we get into this is that with the addition of these new teams, um, the ACC has once again changed up its schedule structure. So originally, when we were for the longest time doing this podcast, you had divisions, uh, and you'd play what six opponents in your division, and then you would play one permanent opponent, and then one other rotating crossover game with the other division. Um, So that was your eight conference games. Then they changed it up. We spent one year this past year playing, uh, I believe it was three fixed opponents, and then the other uh, five games were rotating year over year. So you'd basically play everyone home and away every four years, um, everyone either home or away every other year. That was only a one-year deal because now we've got more teams. And so now we have it to where certain teams have different numbers of fixed annual opponents. Um, if you remember when the Big Ten came out with their schedule, it's a very similar setup where they did not say that, like, oh, everybody has three or everybody has one. It's it's some teams have three, some teams have none. It's It's kind of, you know, here or there. So I believe, again, Georgia Tech and Louisville have none. I think a lot of the triangle; uh, those teams have each other. You know, at least the North Carolina teams, I guess, all in general, maybe all play each other every year. So it's, you know, I, I'm not smart enough to come up with the algorithm that makes all these schedules work with each other. I, I don't know how they did this, but yeah, uh, just just as a reminder, structure wise, Mike.
2: Yeah, uh, the double buy and where those are positioned in the schedule makes things very very interesting for mm-hmm. a few different schools. And uh, that's
1: and that's by the way that's not a a fundamental built-in feature of just the schedule of the year of a year. That's just the way the calendar works this year is the double yeah. leap year. Everyone gets two leap buys. Leap year.
2: Leap year. That's right. Mhm. Yeah. a leap year. Uh we got uh, pretty much every team most teams in the ACC having have a late August game, right? Week one is a little bit earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech and Florida State play in Ireland in week zero, mm-hmm. so that that you know those are two ACC teams playing in that opening weekend. Uh, yeah, I mean there there are teams who are obviously only going to Stanford once or only going to Cal once, but you know have Stanford, Cal, and SMU on the schedule, right? So it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, there And there are some tough stretches for a few different teams. So I think the easiest way to do this, Joey, is to call out some interesting scheduling quirks for a handful of these teams. If we don't mention your team on this podcast tonight and you're screaming at us, that's fine. We have to look at like a million of these schedules. So bear Screen with us. Us in
0: the comments, though, and subscribe while you're doing it. That's right. See, that's that's why
2: great job scott thank you a- absolutely absolutely so
0: slash
1: at the acc football podcast
2: Yeah, so we did the we did the best we could to uh scope out some of the tougher schedules here in the acc i think we've done a yeah, pretty good job doing if that you guys
0: want me to zoom on this document if you're watching on youtube you'll see that we are displaying the logo schedule so uh you could see it with all your viewing pleasure so i can zoom in a little bit if you guys want to look at this yeah
2: let's do that uh okay where to begin? Where to begin, Joey? I, I think, I think the one obvious one we need to talk about is Stanford. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. welcome, welcome to the show.
2: Welcome to the ACC, Stanford. Um, Joey, Stanford has a open week on September fourteenth. They open the year against TCU on a Friday night at home. Then they play Cal Poly, which should be a win. Then they then they get their first open week. Okay, so you're either mm-hmm. going to be you're either going to be 1-1 or 2-0. If if you're 0-2, I'm sorry. Because, yeah. Joey, I'm going to list off the stretch until their next open week on November 9th. All right, so we have like uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We have a seven-game stretch here that I'm not sure how many of these games Stanford actually wins. Are you ready?
1: Seven games, seven weeks, all in a row. Yep. Yes. Get
2: me. Ready? At Syracuse. Have fun with that. At, and that's not because like Syracuse is going to be like this amazing team this year, but a plucky year one team on the road? Yeah, enjoy that. At Clemson, home against Virginia Tech, at Notre Dame, home against SMU, home against Wake, at NC State. Woof. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Listen. Clemson's going to be a top 15 team. Virginia Tech is going to have high expectations. Notre Dame is going to be a top fifteen team. SMU is probably going to be a top twenty team. Wake Forest is maybe the most winnable game there um, at home, like as far as like the home games are concerned. And then at NC State, which I, I think will be one of the uh, one of the trendy teams in the ACC, might be a popular early season pick to maybe maybe sneak into the conference championship. I mean how many game, how many of those games is Stanford winning?
1: If I I, I was just thinking one. about this like if you're being really optimistic like you're hoping for like 3 and 4?
2: Right. <laughs> you're hoping for 3 and 4. I think it's more like 1 or 2.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I will say that I mean I know Stanford hired what uh, was it Troy Taylor? Troy Taylor of uh, Sacramento State. That's correct. I think there's a chance that he'll build something there, and they'll be they'll get back to being decent and being competitive in a way that maybe they haven't been for a few years there at the, the tail end of the David Shaw era. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't want to totally write off Stanford, but I mean, in a month and a half, you're flying to Syracuse, then you're flying to Clemson, then you're flying to South Bend, then you're flying to Raleigh. Like, man, I, that that's just that is a lot of travel, and there's a lot of physical games there, and just. That is gonna that is gonna be a brutal stretch.
2: I mean, Stanford. they're gonna they're gonna stay on the East Coast. I mean, they're they're flying to Syracuse and then eight days later they're at Clemson. I mean, they're not gonna go home. I don't think.
1: Bro, we're talking about Stanford. Can they
0: afford that?
1: It's not about football at Stanford. It's about classes. Like, <laughs> yeah. yes, they're going home. Like,
0: I, yeah, don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they can afford that. I think it's cheaper to go home and come back than it is to pay for a week to stay. That on
1: Syracuse cars. game is on, is on a Friday, too, by the way. So that's an extra yeah. day even.
0: Yeah, Virginia Tech has a similar instance like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um, I was looking at it. I want to say that Georgia Tech and North Carolina might be the only ones in the conference. Once again, somebody is, somebody is yelling at their radio right now. I think Georgia Tech and North Carolina are the only ones in the conference that don't play any of the newcomers.
0: I believe you're correct, looking at this quickly, for Georgia Tech and North Carolina. Yeah, and I... I think that's correct.
1: I don't know how that works out, numbers-wise or schedule-wise. Again, it's... this This is, like, the least cohesive conference schedule that, like, we've ever seen, so... Again, it's very easy when you're looking at when it's the coastal division and like they all play each other, like that is a lot easier to kinda of line up and, and look at but yeah, this is <laughs> trying to figure out who's playing who and it's it's a whole thing.
2: Clemson, so I mean Clemson's gonna come into the year like they always do with, you know, some sort of high expectations, right? And they finished the year strong, right, relative to kinda where they were in October to mm-hmm. kinda where they finished. They open the year against Georgia, enjoy, home against App State, open week, and then you get NC State at home, which I think it's it's a good year to get the Wolf Pack at home, not have to go on the road to play that game. You host Stanford, which is winnable. You travel to Florida State, which, you know, Florida State's going to be in a rebuild, uh, so that that could be winnable, obviously. You're at Florida State at Wake. Home against Virginia, and then the closing stretch has the potential to be kind of tough, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Host Louisville, you travel to Virginia Tech, you travel to Pittsburgh. Home against the Citadel should be a win, and then home against South Carolina, which you know, who Only knows? Only
0: four true away games. That's low.
2: Only four true away games. Both yeah. uh, back, though, and you get the, uh, you know, you get Georgia in Atlanta for the opener, which will be. I think will be well-traveled by Clemson fans, obviously. Yeah. Well, I was going to say,
1: the entire... Before you get to October, Clemson's players will spend a grand total of about five hours in transit. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it'll be probably a a two-and-a-half-hour bus ride to To Atlanta. Atlanta. Two-and-a-half hours back, and then you're at home, you got a bye week, and then you're at home, and you're at home. Yeah. Until you go to Tallahassee in October. Like... Yeah, that's a really light travel schedule for the first month of the year.
2: And then it just gets it gets more difficult, like and there's a lot of uncertainty, too. I mean, Clemson generally does a pretty nice job handling Wake Forest because of what Wake Forest tends to present in the trenches. So Clemson generally doesn't have too much of a problem winning that game. But going to Florida State, not really knowing what they're going to be against DJU, nonetheless, (laughs) would be very funny. And then after that second bye week, Louisville at Virginia Tech, you go to Pittsburgh, which I don't know how Pitt's going to look, but going to Heinz Field is never a walk in the park. It's a a tough closing stretch. Hopefully Clemson, you know, if you're a Clemson fan, you're hoping the Tigers are starting to hit their stride later in the year, kind of like they were this year, so that you can avoid making too big of a mess of the schedule.
1: Yep. Um, I'll call out that Georgia Tech and Florida State, by playing in week zero, they don't have a double-bye. They have a triple-bye. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think especially for Georgia Tech, it's interesting because you – so they – they both of these teams come back from Ireland, and neither of them have a bye week in week one, which is a strategy. It's um, happened to
2: Notre Dame last year, too.
1: Yeah, that feels not, not great. Uh, Georgia Tech comes back, and they'll play Georgia State at home, which low-key, a little bit of a nightmare game. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a fired-up Georgia State team coming as you come, come back from overseas and that whole thing. That'll be careful. Uh, Florida State then is uh, hosting Boston College on a Monday. Uh, they're on Labor Day night, basically. So they get at least a couple extra days there to adjust, and, and that should be a winnable game for Florida State without a problem. Um, the thing for Georgia Tech is that so they get three bye weeks. Two of them are in November. So y- you basically play, what, eight games in, in – uh, or, sorry, nine games in ten weeks starting in week zero, and then you're off on November 2nd. You're at home against Miami. You're off on the 16th. You're at home against NC State on a Thursday, and then you're at Georgia – on Thanksgiving weekend so that's one of those where you get to November and they will spend a grand total of about four hours in transit the rest of the season um, yeah kind of kind of strange and I mean it does present the opportunity to get healthy really honestly it, like at that point of the season when you'd be most banged up is you're, you're putting the least amount of stress on people so uh, it's just a matter of can you get there and then that's that could be three games that you're an underdog in even two of which being at home but Ideally, you're able to you know use those bye weeks, get a little bit healthy, and and maybe steal one of them. Uh, you know, we'll
2: see. Virginia has four of their final six games on the road. Listen to this closing stretch: home against Louisville, at Clemson, home against North Carolina, open week at Pitt, at Notre Dame, home against SMU, at Virginia Tech. Dude, Oof.
0: dude, mm. come on now. That's- <laughs> I- that's mm. tough. Tony and his muskets are going to have to have a hell of a year. <laughs> <laughs> or Anthony and his Calandrias. Either way. Uh... Well, I was speaking of Tony Elliott and then Tony Musket. Come on. Oh, yeah. okay. I see. I see. Also, I mean, Tony, they're... you know, Calandria. I
1: mean, come
2: on. Yeah, that's right. There, another Tony. There you
1: go. I mean, if they're going to feel good about making a bowl game, those first five games: Richmond at Wake, Maryland at Coastal. Carolina and Boston College I think they
0: have to win them all
1: I was gonna say four and one yeah You got
0: to go at least four you got to go at
2: least four and one you might have to win them all because the closing stretch I mean Play
1: an underdog in almost every one of those games. That's
2: that's what I'm saying, right? So like Even like the worst the worst team. They're probably playing in the last five games is Pitt. It's only a kick
0: a Jump A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice.
1: If they are what they were this
2: year, yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they're they're worse than SMU this year. Um, yeah, we'll and I'm just, it just basing fall, it off. Of, yeah, we're basing it off of what we just saw, right? So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I mean, it's hard to really pluck a weakness. I mean, I don't think Pitt's going three and nine again. So, I mean, yeah. even so, I you know, that's that's real tough. So, I think I think Virginia, just on paper, you can think what you want about their roster but I just think on paper with the schedule and the way it sets up just the home versus road splits and kind of where the open weeks are and it's going to be real tough for Virginia to get to six and you know we had the uh we had the season recap pod with Justin Ferber uh that you know by now I'm sure you all have listened to or you're working your way towards it we just released a bunch at one time but you know Justin said that this is a real put up or shut up year for Tony Elliott, mm-hmm. and I agree.
1: gotta show progress.
2: You gotta show progress, and he said doesn't necessarily mean you win six and get to a bowl game, but you gotta win at least like five and look like you know what you're doing. And I'll tell you what, in a in a must win season, this does not set up very well, I don't think, on paper for UVA.
1: One home game in November, not great.
2: Not great, and it's against SMU. So
1: yeah. We'll see what they do. I, I am curious to see what, especially SMU does this year, um, mainly thinking about some of the newcomers to the Big 12 last year. And they really didn't, like, especially Houston and, and Cincinnati did not do very well uh, down the stretch in the, in the Big 12 games. Like, right. there was a clear lack of depth there that wasn't as much of a problem in the AAC as it was in the Big 12. So we'll see if SMU has the same issue in the ACC this year. Um, we talked, Mike, we, we came on, we did the addendum for Miami, talking about having Cam Ward added yeah. on. Yeah, yep. And it does feel like that makes a difference. But I I keep staring at this week one game. I know. In, in the swamp against Florida. And, man, you better come out firing on all cylinders there because mm-hmm. if, if you don't, like – you you will be favored in that game. You should win that game, but it's it's losable if you screw around. And I just – new quarterback going on the road. The Swamp's going to be rocking that night. Like, careful with that spot in particular, I think, if you're Miami.
2: Yeah, and anytime you have, like, a primetime-type game in week one and you're on the road – like again new quarterback i mean cam ward's been there and done that right like he's a mm-hmm. veteran but game 1 with your new team and you're facing a big in state rival and this is really this is a really important game for recruiting too by the way like mario mario's got that thing rolling a little bit recruiting wise and florida's trying to make inroads and this is probably more important in terms of recruiting for billy napier than it is for mario cristobal mm-hmm. but it's important for both guys and this is uh even beyond it just being a a big time week one game this has kind of lasting implications in terms of recruiting in the state of florida but you kind of look further down the schedule for miami and i mean the first six games are pretty manageable right like you get past florida and you know your toughest game you then you get florida a and m you get ball state at home at south florida Home against Virginia Tech at Cal, I mean your toughest game is probably Virginia Tech after at Florida game and you get them at home. And so, otherwise
1: just being able to travel to the West Coast. I mean
2: That's right, that's it. And uh I mean I think you feel pretty good about that opening stretch if you get by Florida. You know, I, I think you'll be ranked for a while. You'd have to really implode, I think, to lose to any of those next three schools, <laughs> Florida A and M, Ball State, or South Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Andy Golish like put together a nice year for South Florida, but man, I I mean that's a different. Miami's a different animal, athlete-wise, and he, you know even if he's recruiting well like he is, and he's got a good scheme, that's a year or two situation up front that I'm not sure South Florida is going to necessarily be game for, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and then, I mean, the, the closing stretch for Miami is it's tough, but there are some games there that they are going to be favored in. I mean, they travel to Louisville, but they have an open week before, right? They, they host Florida State in a rivalry situation. Um, they host Duke. That will be an interesting game. Obviously, Manny Diaz going back to Miami. Mm-hmm. At Georgia Tech, House of Horrors situation for Miami, open what? week home against Wake at Syracuse, Miami's going to be favored in several of those games. So, you know, if I see an over-under of like 8.5, and, and you look over. at I I think over, right? Like, I look at that front half of the schedule, and I think it's pretty manageable, and I look at the back, back half of the schedule, definitely tougher, but you get, you know, the outside of Louisville, you get your toughest games at home there. So yeah. I, I think if I'm a Miami fan, I, I feel pretty good on paper, about how the schedule sets up, especially if you get past week one on the road in the swamp.
1: If I were setting a number for Miami, I might put it at 10, honestly. Like, I was thinking nine and a half, maybe 10 gives you a little bit of push insurance on both sides. But, yeah, they, I mean, they're going to be favored in most of these games on their schedule.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they'll, they'll even be favored. We, you mentioned this a minute ago but I mean I think they're going to be favored week one in the swamp I think they'll be favored there and I mean what game are they not favored in at Louisville
1: Hmm. that's halfway into the season I mean either of those teams could be anything at that point it feels like um so that's that's possible it's a candidate Um, you can make
2: you can make the argument Miami's favored in every game they play
1: yeah no I think I think that's very much on the table
2: and have it not really be a stretch like just on paper going into the year
1: you there's a there's a non-zero chance you could be an underdog at Louisville it's a non-zero chance you could be an underdog at home against Florida State but where else yeah I mean I I think again if I were setting the line of how many how many of these games is Miami favored in probably 11 I would set that (laughs) that was the line you know like they might be an underdog like one time this year. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I'd be surprised if it's more than that. Unless the team performance is just nowhere near what we're thinking it's going to be. So Right.
2: Which, I mean, it's in their nature. <laughs> Hi, Cam.
1: Hey, Cam. Uh, Pitt's got Kent State at Cincinnati, West Virginia, Youngstown State. Is this the year, okay. Mike, that they go 4-0 out of conference? <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> no.
1: Ugh. I mean, nope. It would it would do Narduzzi well. Not that he is is in a that bad of a spot, but like you know, it wouldn't hurt if he were to beat Cincinnati and or West Virginia here. Like that would that Don't would not be a bad thing.
0: Don't, Don't count count out penguins. the Penguins. The feisty Penguins.
1: That's right. They're gonna go three and zero and lose Youngstown State. I love it. Oh. Uh... They had it in the bag a couple years ago, and then what was it, Western Michigan or something came in and just torched them the whole game. It was like you had you had it, you, you were there, and then in and, and the Western Michigan coach after the game was like, "Yeah, they've run the same stuff for years. Like we knew exactly what we were gonna do; and it was gonna work." And yeah, yeah, they ran up like fifty points on them. It's like
2: that that second game of the year. I know Cincinnati wasn't great, but it was mostly like a defensive issue. They made a defensive coordinator hire, Tyson Veit. He was the linebackers coach at Iowa State, and Iowa State had a had a, had a very strong linebacker unit, a pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. Very under the radar, radar hire by Scott Satterfield. I feel like if that Cincinnati de- it'll be week two, of course, but if that Cincinnati defense improves at all, which I think you hoped it would, that's not going to be an easy game week two. Plus, you're in a look ahead spot with backyard brawl the following week, right at home against West Virginia. That's gonna be a tough little spot there for Pitt, even if you do think they'll get by West Virginia in week three. So no, I don't think they go four and out of conference. I think they go probably probably three and one, but but maybe two and two.
1: Yeah, I think two maybe and two, two three and one's two. both yeah. on the table. Yeah, fair enough. Uh Boston College at Missouri and then home against Michigan State in September. Mm. First of all, credit credit for scheduling multiple Power Five teams to a, to a team that does not have like an annual AC, uh, SEC rival or anything else. So credit credit for that. I don't think you're beating Missouri, but I think you can maybe get one against Michigan State.
2: It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Um,
0: year one head coach situation. They could sneak Florida State At after home. coming back from Ireland.
1: In Tallahassee, doesn't help, but again, Florida State with a lot of turnover on that roster. A lot roster. of
2: turnover, like, a lot of churn, international flight. I've seen Boston College do weirder shit. Mm-hmm.
0: They they, could, they, kept, they they kept uh, Campoliano's right? Or however you say his name. They kept him, right? Castellanos, yeah, yeah. Castellanos. yeah, yeah. They kept him. Yeah. They kept him. Yep.
1: Yeah, his draft grade was not... Uh, was not first or second round, so I think he he came back to see if he can work on that.
2: Bag, got the bag. He's back. I don't know how much of a bag you get from Boston. BC, College. big cash. Big, big cash, yeah. If BC stood for big cash, I think Halfley would be doing better than he is right now. That's for sure. Uh,
1: I don't know how much the NFL wants guys that look like Kyler Murray but can't throw. So I guess we'll find out.
2: Yeah.
1: Well,
0: so, uh, Castellanos or Jeff Halfley. <laughs> yes. Yes. How about both? Uh,
2: um, how do we feel about BC's schedule overall? Though, like, uh, kind of an interesting September. But is that yeah. is that
0: Dartmouth in there? I don't know what that logo is. Oh, Duquesne. 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 Okay. Duquesne. Yeah.
2: Like. Yeah. I love calling it Duquesne. Let's call him that <laughs> Duquesne.
1: Do you know where where Duquesne is located?
2: Duquesne is located in Philadelphia. I believe it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Oh, you're right. It is Pittsburgh? I always get that yeah. confused. Yeah, got the right yeah. state though. Good job. I did get the right yeah. state. Some would
1: argue you didn't, but that's different discussion. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, Two very different. Argue with parts Congress of about that one. Argue with Congress. That's correct.
1: So this sets up. I think it sets up okay for Boston College. Um. It is odd with the way that like four of their final five games are at home. And I feel like in in a way for especially for Boston College, that plays to your advantage. Like as it starts to get it starts to get cold and you're used to the cold and you're hosting Louisville, Syracuse, North Carolina, and Pitt in four of your last five games, like I don't know. I mean Louisville, Syracuse, and Pitt aren't gonna be faced by the cold, but like Yeah. At least you're in your element. Um. Yeah, North Carolina's phased by defense in general, so we'll see how that goes. I, th- but,
0: I thought there was a. I'm skipping down to a different team, but I thought uh, Syracuse had an odd stretch of five straight home games to start the year, or four straight, and then away, mm-hmm. away, away, home, away, away. So that was weird. I
1: and mean, then two more at home to finish out. Yeah, it's that, like a yeah.
0: linear, very linear schedule.
1: Yeah, four games at home to start, all in September. They don't go on the road until they travel to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Good luck with that one. They're going to Vegas in October. They have one home game like in early November, and then their final two are also at home. So basically, they spend like a month and a half more or less on the road, and then back at home to finish the year for two games. Mm-hmm. A pretty
0: as, favorable uh, year one. Yeah. Oh, same as SMU? Well, SMU's got the hell of October, but they start the whole year oh, at home. Man. Then they're on the road for the entire month of October, then they're back at home, except for one trip out to good old Charlottesville and late we November.
1: Haven't, we haven't talked about SMU's Helltober yet, have we? Let's get no. into that. Oh my.
0: <laughs> Welcome, SMU.
2: October. Alright, so I, I'm actually, uh, to Starts begin this conversation, September. let's really talk about the last week of September. They're home against Florida State. Okay. They go to Louisville. They have an open week. Then they're at Stanford, at Duke in October, and then home against Pitt on November second. Have fun with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: So in five weeks, you get Florida State and three road trips, including one to the far west coast, one to the far east coast, and uh, yeah, that's that won't be fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. At least SMU is like
1: home games for SMU though. At
2: least SMU is like semi centrally located. But it doesn't make mm-hmm. it any easier. You're probably three hours either direction. Um, not not a great time. Now I think the opponents could be worse for sure. Uh, I mean having Florida State, Louisville back to back that really sucks. But then going to Stanford and then going to Duke, like if you're going to be flying across the country like that, kind of crisscrossing, um, it could be a lot worse. Getting Stanford and Duke back to back like that.
1: Am I missing something? Looking at. SMU's schedule, do they have like an open slot that they still need to fill? They've only got 11 games on their schedule right now.
2: You're you're correct, they have 3 open weeks currently, so they do need to fill a 12th game.
0: Interesting.
1: And there are they've already got an, an FCS game scheduled against Houston Christian, which I think used to be Houston Baptist if I'm not mistaken. Um Yeah, they're going to have one? to find another like G5 Out of conference game, I think.
2: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, I mean, they have all their ACC games scheduled. So Mm -hmm. if I were SMU, I'd schedule a nice cushy. I mean, one, two, three, four, five. I mean, it's going to be a road game, right?
1: Uh, That's what I was looking at. You've already got seven home games here. They already got seven
2: home games. I mean, it's going to be a road game, probably.
1: I mean, there's no rules that you can't do eight.
0: I would say it's probably that September 14th slot, probably.
1: Either that or October twelfth. It seems like the ACC. I, I will say it seems like the conference loaded November with a, a good number of bye weeks there, and probably like really like the first three weekends of November. Those Dude, are pretty of, light weeks. Schedule I just wise. didn't.
0: I don't see them scheduling an away game in the midst of their already hellish October. <laughs> like I just don't see them doing it. That.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Like half the conference is off on October twelfth. I'm looking at this.
1: Yeah, that week we've got a lot four, of open five, six, six games that week, and then Boston College, Duke, Florida State, <laughs> Miami, SMU, and Virginia Tech all on bye that week.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of lot of teams uh, on bye. I want to talk about Virginia Tech schedule real quick, Joey, because I think there is a chance from a scheduling standpoint they could be Louisville. Next year?
1: They could beat Louisville?
2: Be. Be Louisville. Be the Louisville of this past season. Ah, I see. Okay. Based, on their, based on their schedule and how it sets up. So,
1: see, first problem with beating Louisville is they don't play them. So right. Yes, that. right. Yeah. Well, Anyways,
2: it didn't go well when they went there this past year. <laughs> yeah. uh, at Vanderbilt to start, okay, if you're playing an SEC team, you probably want it to be Vanderbilt, right? You, you
1: need it, to win. You should win that game. You need to win that game, even on the road.
2: Home against Marshall. At Old Dominion, home against Rutgers. Now, Virginia Tech, of course, had three of these four teams in the non-con on the schedule this past season. The only one of them they beat was Old Dominion. They lost to Marshall. They lost to Rutgers. Uh, Virginia Tech will be favored, I think, in all four of those games to start the year. This next stretch is an interesting one. Okay, They go to Miami, which we talked about earlier when we talked about Miami's schedule. That'll be a tough game for Virginia Tech. And then they travel to Stanford, which we were talking before we hit record. Like, when Scott and I were talking about the schedule uh, and kind of, you know, where the West Coast teams would kind of factor in, this, the discussion that Scott and I had was like, all right, just don't, if you're going to schedule back to back weeks, right, and we're going to have to go to Stanford. Just please, for the love of God, don't schedule the Clemson game at home right before. It's going to be like a body blow situation. This might be worse, potentially, right? Because Miami is really, really good in the trenches. Like, their offensive lines are really coming along. And you have to go there to play them. And then you immediately fly across the country to play Stanford. Now, you get eight days, right? You're playing Miami on a Friday, so I guess that helps a little bit. But... You have that two game road stretch, Miami, Stanford, and then you have an open week, and then Boston College at home on a Thursday night. I think you'll you'll be favored there. Coming off the bye. Coming off the bye, and then a three game stretch coming up. So obviously you got like nine days before you play Georgia Tech at home, which I think is a very pivotal game on the schedule for Mm -hmm. both teams.
1: Feels like a a toss. Like Virginia Tech probably favored, but that's a toss up.
2: It's a toss up Up. either way. At Syracuse, probably favored but not easy to go to the Dome. We'll see what home,
1: Syracuse is in early November. Yeah,
2: Home against home against Clemson, mm-hmm. which we'll see what both teams look like in November. And then at Duke and UVA, at Duke home against UVA to finish up after another open week. Virginia Tech's over-under is probably going to be like eight-ish.
1: Yeah, seven and a half, eight, something like that. Yeah,
2: seven and a half, eight. I think there's some upside where the open weeks fall. I think there's two tough stretches just from a scheduling standpoint. It's the, the two consecutive road games at Miami at Stanford, and then kind of that stretch of BC, Georgia Tech at Syracuse and Clemson. But I think I think Tech could position themselves to, to have a pretty strong year just based on the schedule alone, especially if you get through September unscathed. You set up for a pretty big game against Miami on September 27th.
1: Yeah, yeah, that four game stretch you talk about—it's like that—that that feels like the real pivotal stretch of the season. It does. Um, I could see one and three. I I could maybe see four and zero. Oh. Like mm-hmm. there there's a lot of, of variance that happens there with depending on how those games all turn out, and it feels like you really almost could win or lose any one of them. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me.
2: Yeah. So I think that's the the stretch, the four-game stretch, where you get three of the four at home, but it's sandwiched between those two open weeks. I think that's the, that's the meat of the schedule.
1: Yeah. Mike, how do you feel about Wake's schedule?
2: <laughs>
1: because – Well, <this laughs> well, is, Joey. This feels like about as quirky as could possibly be. So you start out, you're only at home – through September, you start out in North Carolina, A&T, Virginia, Ole Miss, by week, Louisiana, all at home. You still have not traveled anywhere. First road trip all the way to Raleigh.
2: Like whoa. 30 minutes?
1: Four hour round trip, maybe? Is it, or even, probably not even that? I think that.
0: it's an like, hour.
2: I think I'm it's an it, hour. Yeah, like, I think it's an hour. It's like outside the triangle. Yeah, it's like the, an hour. Yeah. Yeah. It,
1: it's hour especially and 40 if you minutes. Piece, hour and 40 40 minutes hour
2: 40 okay hour 40 so
1: call it you know hour and 40 both ways so maybe round it up total of four hour round trip then you're at home against clemson so mike at this point it's october 19th we're closing in on halloween and wake forest has traveled for like maybe four hours total just in state then they're going to yukon then they go to stanford then they you got a bye week, you get Cal at home, then you're at North Carolina, which, again, is another, like, three-hour round trip or something like that. Uh, and then you're at Miami, and then you're home against Duke. But I, I'm i just kind of tickled at this whole thing of, like, you basically go nowhere for a month and a half to start the year and then back-to-back back at UConn at Stanford yeah. for a bye week. That's uh, That's got to be a little bit of a, a shock to the system, I feel like, after just sleeping at home all season.
2: Yeah, I mean outside of outside of the Stanford game, obviously, their furthest place to travel is either what, Yukon or Miami? Yeah, Miami, so, is the only I mean, other,
1: you know, legit road trip there. Yeah. 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 So weird schedule.
2: Not a lock to make a bowl game.
1: Yep, yep. Not a lock. Um, I think the only other thing I wanted to call out here, and and something that you kind of alluded to and were pointing towards, a couple of these weeks that are are heavy bye weeks. Yep. So one of the ones I'm looking at is week seven, so that's October 12th. We've got six ACC games bye weeks for Boston College, Duke, Florida State, Miami, SMU, and Virginia Tech. Uh, We've got November 2nd, that's week 10. Uh, We've got Six games, and then Boston College, Cal, Georgia Tech, Virginia, and Wake Forest, all on bye weeks, uh, and then I believe it's the same week twelve, November sixteenth. Uh, we've got six games, bye weeks for Duke, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Miami, NC State, and Virginia Tech that week. So, I guess there's there's a lot of bye weeks, but it seems like the the conference has made a point to cluster these a little bit, which. That's fine, and especially again later in the season, you got teams that have played a lot of games. They get a little bit banged up. It's it's to everyone's benefit uh, to start giving a couple of bye weeks there as, as the season wears on, and you know hopefully everyone's at their you know playing as close to their best as possible by the end of the season and going into bowl season and conference championship season and all that. So,
2: agree. Hey, what do you think? We touched on the opening like two weeks of the season for Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Georgia Tech's schedule?
1: I mean, just inherently, Georgia Tech is always going to have a difficult schedule these days because you've got the annual game against Georgia. And mm-hmm. that's now become like you're, you're playing the monster uh, of college football every year. So that yeah. doesn't help. Um, it's interesting. There, there's definitely some quirkiness here because they technically have seven home games, but only four of them are Saturday games at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Because one of your home games is in Ireland. You have another home game that's at Mercedes-Benz Stadium against Notre Dame. And then you've got a third home game that's on a Thursday night against NC State. So for seven home games, you don't have like a lot of home standard Saturday atmosphere going on, which is, again, quirky, interesting, strange. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's... It's not easy, but it just seems like it never is these days. Um, it, yeah. it is one of the things that, again, we mentioned earlier, Louisville and Georgia Tech do not have uh, annual opponents anymore. So you're, you're changing out who you play every single year, uh, all all eight slots. Um, this is the first time since I think I've been alive that Georgia Tech won't play Clemson in a yeah. year. Like yeah. That's been a standing annual rivalry for a long, long time. And even though Georgia Tech hasn't won that game in a number of years and um, would likely be a significant underdog again this year, there's still some fans in the Georgia Tech fan base that are like a little bit peeved that that rivalry has gone out the window here a little bit. So that's worth pointing out. Um, Other than that, I don't know. It's a lot of, you know, home away, home away, home away, back and forth, kind of that way. We talked earlier, I think the game at Virginia Tech is an interesting pivot point of uh, how, how is that going to go. The nice thing is that, so again, they have three bye weeks with the, the week zero game, uh, two of them in November. So after coming yeah. back from Blacksburg, it's bye week, Miami at home, bye week, NC State at home, on the road in Athens. Which, again, that's a again, four hour round trip. So
2: And likely it doesn't matter, but you do have nine days to prepare for Georgia.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the again. That's another quirk is you, you come home eight, from Blacksburg I guess. Eight, eight full days. Yeah, but. come home from Blacksburg, bye week, Miami. So you get Miami on extra rest at home, and then you get another bye week, and then you get NC State at home on a Thursday. So again, extra rest, but then also before Georgia, it's now nine days of rest or whatever it is. So. Um, from that standpoint, I mean that's that's three games that I'm not sure you're favored in any of them necessarily. We'll see what NC State is, um, but I think if all three of those teams live up to their expectations, NC State may be a small favorite in your building. But you know the, the biggest thing is going to be can you be can you be healthy, and I think those bye weeks really help there late in the game. But I will say it does suck like you're starting in week zero. And mm-hmm. you get one bye week between week zero and the end of October. Like yeah. you're playing nine games in ten weeks, and that's not ideal.
2: Right. It's definitely a. Um, I think the back half of the schedule is tough, but I think the two bye weeks make it manageable. Mm-hmm. It's really that that opening stretch of the season. Before that second buy on November second, that I think is what you have to look at because you are going to Ireland. Then you come home and it's a plucky Georgia State team, right? Then you're going mm-hmm. to the you're going to the Carrier Dome, JPA or whatever, JPA Wireless Dome, I always called J- the M- Carrier Dome, JMA, JMA, Carrier, whatever. Dome. Carrier Dome, uh, home against VMI at Louisville before the buy, mm-hmm. like not not easy, right? But then you get your bye week.
1: I mean, VMI is like the only one there that I look at as anything resembling a layup. Agree. I mean, you could be one. You, you could realistically possibly be one and four going into that bye week, and that you would could be That would be absolutely could, behind the eight ball, trying to get to a bowl game.
2: You like, could, yeah. Well, yeah. With the yes, I agree with the closing stretch of the schedule. I think it's it. It would be pretty tough, but I could also see a scenario there where like. Georgia Tech's like three and two going into the bye, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's say they lose to Florida State and lose at Louisville, and then win the three games are probably gonna be favored in. Like you're probably favored going to Syracuse, you're gonna be favored against Georgia Tech, you're gonna be favored against VMI. Like let's just go chalk, right? Let's just say it's three and two. I mean, I I think Georgia Tech can absolutely get to a bowl game. You have Duke Mm -hmm. and North Carolina back to back, both those very winnable. Ho- you host Notre Dame, which, you know, Notre Dame will be good and that'll be a tough game, but you mm-hmm. get it at home. At Virginia Tech's toss up game, you know, you-, you historically play Miami well, especially at home, and you mm-hmm. get it kind of sandwiched between two open weeks. NC State, I think, is winnable. Mm-hmm. And then you- you'll get killed by Georgia. But by then, hopefully, you have mm-hmm. a bowl game wrapped up.
1: I haven't gotten killed by Georgia the last couple of years. They... Uh, yeah. Hang okay. with no. Them. no. Yeah. It was no a one score bro- game this year
2: no like, Brock yeah discussion for a different time you're <laughs> different right time. you're right
1: um I'll also say this by the way on uh Sunday January 28th yes I'm not writing off that Florida State game as a loss
2: I wouldn't no I no, no 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't either
1: we we said going into last year that getting Louisville week one was the time to get them and you saw that Georgia Tech I think had it like a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter in that game
2: yep. should have won
1: the, the um, again the amount of turnover on that Florida State roster you're not going to get any sort of home field advantage from them. That is that is as good a situation as you could ask for to play Florida State is right out of the gate uh,
2: on a different continent.
1: Yeah, different continent. You know they again they're they're still breaking in all the new new toys and the new pieces that they've got to work with. Um, you might not be favored, but I. You can very much win that game.
2: You have more, I mean, going into that, I think you feel good about having more roster continuity uh, with a team that played pretty well down the stretch, made a bowl game, all that good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, won a bowl game. You feel pretty good about it. like, And you have the continuity coming back that Florida State doesn't have, and you have the quarterback in place. Not that DJU isn't any good. I think he's a lot better now than he was at Clemson. Mm-hmm. But, like brand new offense right we just had this conversation with miami going to the swamp a little bit different obviously it's going to be neutral site but like week one new quarterback new system like dj use established but entirely new offense playing against a georgia tech team with the continuity there it's gonna be a big test for the georgia tech defense and so far as like this florida state offense i think it's going to be looking a lot different and i think it's like a situation where if the georgia tech defense is looking as bad as it looks some weeks last year against florida state offense it's like kind of brand new it's like ah shit like sound the alarm a little bit
1: there's not enough guinness in ireland for uh, for that right but.
2: <laughs> right but if you if you get the georgia tech defense it also showed up in other weeks last year it was actually pretty good and you kind of do what you're supposed to do against an offense replacing a ton of pieces I don't know. Get a low turnover game from Haynes King. I I absolutely agree with you. Like I think even if Georgia Tech is an underdog here, I don't think it's by a lot. I feel like so. I've
1: seen a couple things already that like the early early lines have like Florida State minus twelve or something.
0: Twelve? Giving me double digits with Georgia in Tech. 12? January. Who's handicapping this in January? Twelve? The
1: this these are sucker bets, Scott. Do do not. Do not. Twelve. Bet take him, Labor I'll take Day. Him
2: plus twelve. Dude. Yeah. I, yes. Pl- absolutely. I was gonna say what Florida yeah. State. I was gonna say Florida State like by five. Seems six. More reasonable, five or six. Yeah. Five or six. Like just inside a touchdown. Twelve.
1: Yeah. Big questions about. Uh, big enough questions about Florida State. That yeah. Like don't know how we feel about laying double digits overseas. Like. In in Against week a one, functional plucky Georgia Tech, team. Like, you know, <laughs> with mean, all that,
2: with all that roster continuity coming back off a of bowl team. I don't know if I'm laying 12. That's a, that seems like a
0: lot. Yeah. GT, gi- gigantic ticket, baby. GT, gigantic <laughs> ticket on that's on the jackets.
2: Uh, G- GT can stand for some other stuff, too, if we get
0: I mean, we get late enough into the night. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, I wasn't sure where you're going with that. Spot, yeah.
0: But huh. uh, well, no, gi- gi- gigantic ticket on the bet. Um. I don't know if you guys are still talking about Georgia Tech, but I just wanted to point out, I think Syracuse avoids both Clemson and Florida State. I think they're the only team that does that.
1: Wow. When's the and last time I think that, that sets
0: happened? up sets up well for Fran Brown to maybe get to bowl eligible in his first year. I, I Looking
2: at this schedule, I think I agree. Uh, Ohio, an open week before you host Stanford holy cross i don't think syracuse i mean it's good to get georgia tech at home but like they're they're probably not going to win that game so so you're going to be three and one to start you go to unlv that's going to be that's a tough game like barry odom had unlv that that might be the
1: single weirdest game on this entire conference schedule is syracuse at unlv in
2: october
0: in october
1: what the like somebody explain how that happened yeah.
0: We wanted to go golfing in Vegas in <laughs> That's right.
2: That's right. Good weather for it. Is that what you do in Vegas? I do a it's, lot of different stuff in Vegas. You should, yeah. you should do that at least for a little bit while you're there. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, I mean, I, I'm looking at this schedule. I mean, Syracuse could absolutely make a bowl game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You can win three of the first four, certainly. I think at UNLV is a tough one because they're good and it's on the road. At NC three State. Three winnable
0: games in November. Three winnable games in November. For Boston sure. College, Cal, UConn.
2: For sure. And I don't want to call the Georgia Tech game a toss-up, but at least you get them at home, right? Like, you're not going to be yeah. favored there, but at least you get them at home. You have a you have a bye week scheduled, you know, right in the middle of those four games. UNLV is tough. At NC State, probably a little bit of a toss-up. You You're... you're Probably going to be an underdog, but a little bit of a toss-up. By week, at Pitt, certainly winnable. Virginia Tech at home, right? Very similar to the Georgia Tech game, where you're probably going to be an underdog, but at least you get them at home. At BC, at Cal, both winnable. UConn, winnable. Home against Miami. <laughs> what, what version of Miami are we getting on the final, game, final week of the season?
1: Stranger things have happened.
2: I could see a ball game for Syracuse. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I agree.
2: Veteran, veteran I, quarterback in McCord. Absolutely.
1: I, I do think it has a, a good amount to do with, how, you know, how quickly can Fran Brown get this thing to gel? You know, and can they hit the ground running as a coaching staff? Like, or are there going to be, you know, a couple of of, of kinks to work out? Like. Some some of your winnable games, as you're saying, Mike and 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 Scott as well, like September. You know, if you can go three and one, you're giving yourself a chance. But like, honestly, none of those is a is a layup. Like, Ohio is usually a pretty pretty decent MAC team. Georgia Tech, obviously, you know you, you played them tough, but lost that game in Atlanta this year. Stanford. I'm I'm just not going into the season thinking that Stanford is really a layup for anybody, and maybe that's a little bit naive of me. And Holy Cross, as we've said, I mean that's that's a functional program that you know took Boston College to the wire this year. Like
2: Holy Cross, though, year one coaching situation, Chesney left for JMU. Oh, that's
1: true. Bob Chesney left. All right. Well, yeah, maybe maybe that's a layup. Maybe.
2: I mean, Syracuse will be. I mean, even even if even if you don't think it's a layup like they should be favored there. Oh, yeah, yeah. double yeah. digit
1: favorite in that game. And, yeah. Um, probably at UNLV as well, probably a, at least close to double digit favorite if not if not double digits. So Yeah, I mean th- I'm just saying like th- there's a number of those where you you could trip up. Right. Um but, you know, if if, if you really hit the ground running here, yeah, I think bowl eligibility is on the table, but you know, we gotta kinda reassess that at the end of September, basically.
2: Well, and That'd I also story. I also listed like eight games that are winnable there, and they're probably gonna lose like three of them. Sure, so yeah. I I I mean, you're gonna be at that five or six win threshold. You're I mean, you're gonna be flirting with it. So mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we'll see what the number is. Like if somebody comes out with a Syracuse number at like four and a half, I'd be inclined to bet over.
1: Okay. I'm not. I'm not sure that I'm willing to put my money on the Syracuse win total, like one way or the other. Well, I point. mean, like,
2: I mean, one of us is a sick bastard, and one of us is not. That's what it boils <laughs> down to. I mean, I don't know.
1: I could see six and six. I could see three and nine. I here. don't care. You know, like I'm a sicko. There it is.
2: I mean, there's there's sound to support it.
1: That's right. That's right. Documented. That's right. Documented. Uh, I think that's all I got here, Mike. I don't think I have anything else on the. Uh, I've
2: exhausted. The I've exhausted the schedule. We actually did pretty well with that conversation. I think.
1: Yeah. Dove deep. So, uh, Scott, did we forget anything?
0: I don't think so. I think it was good. Sweet. Thank you. Nice.
1: Uh, Mike, anything else that we need to talk about here before we work on getting out of here?
2: No, I I don't think so. Uh, more season recaps are coming. Yep. So be on the lookout for those.
1: Yep. Yeah, we'll keep and, working uh, on those. Um, we, we've got some ideas. We just need to line up some times for, for folks to come on and join us. But um, yeah, we... Kind of intend on keeping that rolling. Uh, we got the second signing day coming up soon. Uh, I guess after that, maybe we can do kind of our brief recruiting overview, which we make no bones about the fact that we're not recruiting gurus and don't follow it all that closely team by team. But we can, you know, do a little bit of overall conference analysis. So we'll, we'll talk about way. Has
0: taken a transfer yet?
1: I don't believe that they have. and no. that's Yeah, we can talk about that next time because that's –
2: just so that's maybe the biggest thing to talk about recruiting.
0: Soaking was. in the portal, play just play to, dumb just games. Come back from our bowl recap.
2: Yeah, whatever. not not so not soaking. No, no,
0: that De- definitely not soaking. Yeah, um,
1: there's there's but, a joke that i'm just not going to make. Well, today. when
0: uh, yeah, well, when you guys get Will Qualk and Bush on for the Clemson recap, talk to him about that.
1: He said, "Will Qualk and right? Bush, Qualk and Bush." Alright, there was different inflection there that I ne- never mind. <laughs> Anyways <Qualk. laughs>
0: Well he goes by Qualk Talk, so I almost called him Will Qualk, but then I remembered his whole name. So I mean when I message I will, him if you're listening when I, me- I will, yeah. Well
2: when I set up the uh when I set up the invite to him, I always just call him Qualk, so Yeah, I mean well, that's your Twitter handle.
1: I assume that's what you go by, but you know, I don't
2: know. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, I mean, play play dumb games, win dumb prizes. If you're Davos winning. that's all I'll say.
1: Well, on that note, Mike, uh, I've got nothing else. If you want to work on getting out of here,
2: yeah, all yeah, right. like yeah, I'm good.
1: Sounds good. Cool. Uh, we'll come back. We'll keep recapping teams and doing some of those things. In the meantime, come find us on Twitter at FTRSJoey at Mike McDanielSI together at BC Podcast ACC uh you can find us on youtube youtube.com slash at the acc football podcast hit the subscribe button hit the bell icon hit the thumbs up give us a like uh, we would appreciate all of those things appreciate those who have uh we're on itunes spotify the platform formerly known as google podcasts that uh, i don't know where YouTube that's going music? YouTube, youtube music, music there you go yeah slowly consolidating all those google brands down together that's great
0: youtube music just takes our video podcast and it makes it like spotify so if you're listening to youtube music and then you open your phone there's the video so well that, that doesn't YouTube sound half goes.
1: bad there you go i like that maybe i yeah. need to try that uh amazon music all those places go find it uh once again basketball conference podcast and uh, hit the subscribe button we'd appreciate that mike where else on the social medias
2: facebook facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review find some of our podcasts there uh instagram at bc podcast acc youtube.com slash at the acc football podcast like you just mentioned
1: yep uh basketball conference podcast at gmail.com nailed it thank you uh mike did i forget anything
2: you almost forgot the email
1: almost did but then didn't uh scott did i forget anything
0: uh, I don't think you forgot anything. Just for listeners' sake, that if the recaps start getting slower, that's because my wife had her baby, our baby. So theoretically, oh, yeah. she hasn't done it yet, but not yet. But any day now. Well, just just know,
1: like th- this is your first commitment, and then that's yes, that's yeah, afterwards, yeah.
0: So. yeah. This is actually already like my sixth commitment, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna definitely oh. move down the ladder to seven if she,
2: if she ever gives you any trouble Scott remember I can whip her into shape
0: yeah
2: I'm gonna tell you just kidding you said that just kidding everybody just kidding don't need to call the FBI we're good everything's fine
1: uh Mike you want to come back and keep recapping some teams yep let's do it all right for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel. For producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again very, very soon as we keep recapping some teams. Until next time, hail the pit and go ACC.